0: Well, good morning, ten thirty. How are you guys doing? Good. Good to see you guys. Um, I do want to uh, add one more thing, as Pastor Man. was talking about. We had you know district assembly um, yesterday, and it was it was a pretty awesome experience. So again, catch that um, online if, if you uh, missed it. But one of the things that they do again is they they recognize um, uh, new pastors as they are making steps in that in that journey to that calling. And um, you guys all you know love Leo, who plays drums for us and stuff like that. But his his wife Kate. I don't know if Kate's in the room right now she's right there Kate's over here sitting with Lila in the third row Um, Kate received her first time district license yesterday so she is now Pastor Kate so can we all celebrate Kate Congratulations. I just want you to know we are so proud of you and and just your obedience to the calling that God has placed in your life, Kate. We love you, okay? Um, So I'm really pumped up for this series. If you guys were here last week, you know we started a brand new series called Adam and Eve, focusing in on the challenges faced by women and men. Uh, If you missed it, you can go to YouTube and you can uh, put in South Portland NAS and you can get caught up um, because it was awesome. Last week, we started by saying there's only two things. That you've got to know about women. Nobody knows what those two things are. Um, but if you figure it out, I said hook a pastor up. We could write a book. Make some money on it. But somebody texted me this week and they told me that um, we've been beaten to the punch. That somebody just released a book this past week called Understanding Women. I think our tech guys found a picture of the book. Can we put it on the screen? There, there it is right there. Some light reading. But um, all kidding aside, last week we said that, you know, we're all different, right? We, we all have different backgrounds, different personalities, uh, things like that. And, and, and maybe I, I overgeneralized a little bit, but I did say that in general, um, women can often show more emotion than men. And, and that's not a bad thing. And yes, men have emotions. We're not robots. And men can be emotional. But just in general, uh, women can show more emotion than men. Like I remember the Olympics um, being on television a couple years ago. And I walked into the living room and my wife and my three daughters, they were watching women's gymnastics and I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. And so I came and I sat down and I started started watching with them and then it, it went to a commercial and a McDonald's commercial came on, and it was like an Olympic kind of commercial with inspirational music playing, and there was an athlete, and they fell down, and their mom came and gave them a hug, and and I look over at my wife, Julie, and she is sobbing on the couch, and I look over at my daughters, and they have tears flowing down their cheeks, and I'm thinking, what the flip is going on? And my wife is like, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? And all I was thinking was I wanted a Big Mac, so I got up and went to Mickey D's, okay? And women also in general, you guys can sometimes care more about some stuff than us men. And that's awesome. Because again, as as we talked about last week, that's how you were created. I think if it wasn't for women, us men would again still be living in caves and our children would probably fall apart. Like whenever my wife Julie has to travel or goes away on a trip or a conference, things can go south in a hurry in the Vias household. Like our family without Julie quickly becomes Lord of the Flies with dirty face, tangled hair, naked children running around with knives throughout the house. As I said last week, I know that being a mom, for those of you who are moms, that that is the hardest job on planet earth, okay? But women, as we learned last Sunday, we also have this enemy who hates our guts and wants to keep us from God's plans for our lives, and his name is Satan, and he's been attacking us from the very beginning. I mean, we, we see this in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, in the creation story. And as we look at the Bible, in these first three chapters of Genesis, in, in the story of Adam and Eve, we discover that Satan didn't attack when the earth was first created. He, he also didn't attack as God created the plants and, and the animals. He, he didn't even attack when God created man. But Satan launched a full-out nuclear assault when God created the masterpiece of woman. Women, you were the first creation God made that wasn't just from the dust of the earth, and and you're so beautiful, you're so valuable to God that, I don't know, Satan must have gotten so jealous that he launches his attack at that time. And, And while no talking snakes are probably, you know, chilling in our backyard, Satan still attacks us today, and as we said last week, the primary weapon that he uses to attack our lives is with lies. Last week, we looked at lie number one that many women believe, which is this, that I'm not good enough, and I'm not good enough. And we covered some areas of life like appearance and home and kids and relationships and career and, and even religion where many women try to find their identity and can buy into the lie that they don't measure up and that they're not good enough enough. But we ended last week by looking at a truth from God to shine some light and combat that lie. And that truth was this, that in Christ, I'm priceless. In Christ, I'm priceless. That your identity and your worth should not be based on your circumstances in life, but instead should be based on your relationship with the God who loves you so much That he knew every wrong you would ever do, and yet he chose to make you anyway. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you, to redeem you of your sins. Now, today, we're gonna dive into a second lie that many people fall into the trap of. And this second lie says this: it says, I'm not worth the pursuit. I'm not worth the pursuit. Now, this week on social media, I asked you guys a new question. Um, I asked the question, this was what it was, if you missed it. It was, what's the greatest chick flick of all time? What's the greatest chick flick of all time? And, and we got a lot of responses. It wasn't like last week where all the guys were chicken to respond because they didn't want, you know, to get in trouble. So, so men, I'm proud of you for responding this week. But, but I do want to point out, maybe I should have gone over some chick flick etiquette with you. Men... You're allowed to have one favorite chick flick, but it must be followed up immediately by you stating the words and Gladiator, Braveheart, Die Hard or some other manly film to avoid losing your man card. So for example, I'll give you an example, my favorite chick flick is 10 Things I Hate About You and Passion of the Christ, okay? Cuz Jesus was manly. I just just saying he was a carpenter. He walked everywhere he went. He was not some wimpy dude holding a lamb like some people think. Uh, he probably had the physique of a UFC fighter. Okay, I just want to point that out. So for, for uh, you know, I went to I went to Israel a couple of years ago, and we walked like where Jesus walked. And l- let me tell you, I mean, he he was a strong strong dude. And we're gonna plan that trip. I'm I'm still hoping for us to be able to do that uh, to to make that trip to Israel. But but for some of the guys in my small group, um, I, I just want to you know again clarify and point out that um, you know listing all your favorite Reese Witherspoon movies, starting with Sweet Home Alabama and ending with Legally Blonde, was not cool. I just want to point that out. But we got all kinds of answers. The movie that many people said was the greatest chick flick of all time was The Notebook. Are there any Notebook fans in here? Okay, some of you guys. Um, and I have to admit, actually, Pastor T.J. he listed that as as what he thought was the greatest chick flick movie. And I have to admit, I shed a tear or two. Watching that movie, that was, that was a hard one to watch. A few people said Titanic. I'm not sure that was a great love story, okay? Oh, Jack, I'll never let you go. Never mind, you're going to die. Like, can we all just admit this morning that there was room on that door for Jack, right? Like, Rose was completely wrong. And then she throws away a $50 million, like, diamond. Like, save that for your grandkids. You know, set them up for life, okay? I'm sorry I'm rambling. But let's just be honest about chick flicks. Here's, here's why we like them. Because almost every chick flick follows basically the same kind of template. Man and women meet. There's a spark. There's some conflict or some confusion that happens in the relationship. They struggle. Man continues to pursue and fight for her. And at the end, he wins her heart. And it's beautiful and it's awesome. And people leave the theater crying after seeing it. See, every woman wants to feel pursued and fought for. Now, some women may take offense to that. And they're like, I don't need that. I don't need anyone pursuing me. But then they'll go to a chick flick and they'll, they'll cry at that movie, okay? In fact, some of these women were actually in a chick flick. Remember my Indian princess Jasmine? I told you guys I liked Aladdin last week. Girlfriend was like, I don't need a man. I got a tiger. I got Raja. And then Aladdin rolls up and five seconds later she's on a magic carpet singing, I can show you the world. Do you guys remember that? And then there's Beauty and the Beast. You remember Belle? I don't need you, Gaston. I just need a good book. She fell for a beast, a literal be- girlfriend married Chewbacca, okay? That gave me hope as a teenage guy there would be someone for me. At the core of our being, all of us, men and women, at the core of our being, we want to feel pursued. And women, it's not wrong to feel that way. It's not wrong, again, to have desires and emotions. The, the key, however, is that we must be able at times to surrender how we feel to the truth of what God says. Because whenever we start to elevate feelings above the word of God, like the forbidden fruit, it always goes badly. Always. Now, with that in mind, let's look at a bit more detail this week at the creation story in Genesis chapter 2. Here's the account in scripture, okay? Here's what it says it says, The Lord God said, It is not good. For the man to be alone. Remember, he's making creation. Every time he's creating stuff, it is good. It is good. It was good. It is good. And then he makes the man and he gives him a job. He tells him to name the animals. He starts naming the animals. They're in pairs, you know, they're male and female. And God looks and he says, Wait a minute, this is not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. He says, I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and he closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So he, he creates Eve, he establishes a relationship with her as her heavenly father, and then he brings her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And these are the very first recorded words we have in scripture spoken by Adam. Adam. And the most accurate translation from the Hebrew was, "Woo, how you doing? Okay, that's that's from the International Man's Version of the Bible. Now, don't miss verse 24. Pay special attention to this part of the passage, especially single guys. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. They become one flesh. Adam and his wife are both naked and they felt no shame. Now, women, I just want to point out a couple things, and then we're going to have a few man moments for the guys in the room, okay? Women, don't miss this. God created Eve. And not only did he create Eve, but he pursued a relationship with her. And it wasn't because she was perfect and good. See, here's another myth in the church that God loves and pursues good girls, but bad girls, God doesn't really care about them. Maybe if they work a little harder, maybe if they clean up their life, maybe if they fix the mess that's going on, then maybe, just maybe, he'll give them another chance. But as we said last week, that's a complete lie. God is all-powerful and all-knowing, and knowing what Adam and Eve were going to do, knowing they were going to rebel against him, he still created them, even though he knew it was going to cost him the blood of his son, Jesus. He still made Adam. He still lovingly made Eve anyway. Not because they were good, but because he is good. And women, hear me out. You have a God in heaven who is fighting for your heart no matter what you've done. And I know some of you have a hard time believing this because we tend to compare our experience with God or our view of God with our earthly parents and our earthly father. And again, my background's in counseling. Um, I I got my master's in clinical counseling and I can't tell you the number of people I saw, especially the number of women that I met with um, who really had difficulty in being able to connect with a heavenly father because they had a scarred relationship with an earthly father. And maybe, you know, maybe some of us had a completely jacked up relationship with our dad, and it's affected the way we think about God. I mean, maybe we had an abusive father, and so you tend to think, if I get close to God, he's going to hurt me. Maybe you had a critical dad that no matter, no matter what you did, it was never good enough, and now you feel like you could never be good enough for God. But women, I want you to know something. I want you to know that God loves you, that he is the perfect Heavenly Father, I mean, he is the parent that maybe you wished your entire life that you had, and he is pursuing your heart because he wants greater things for your life, because he loves you. That's truth. Some of you, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, maybe you just needed to hear that today. Now, I want to take a minute to talk to the guys here. men. I want to talk to you today as someone who genuinely cares about you and the direction of your life, and I want to challenge you with some things from this text. Number one from this passage in Genesis two, I want you to understand that Adam had a job. In Genesis chapter two, God gave him the job to name all the animals. And at first he was oh so creative, okay? Kangaroo, aardvark. Then he got kind of tired and stopped caring, cat, okay? But, but I've had single guys over the years come to me for relationship advice. saying, pastor, what can I do to pursue a woman of God? Here's a good answer. Get a job. And I know there are a lot of hardworking men out there who maybe because of this year have been laid off. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the guy who's in his 20s or his 30s and he's unemployed and he's living in his mom's basement playing Xbox, smoking weed, eating Lucky Charms while mom does his laundry. Get a job. Why? Because responsibility is attractive. It really is. And she doesn't want to live in your car or in your parents' basement. Amen, women? Number two, Adam pursued Eve. Adam pursued Eve. meant it's your job to pursue her. Notice I did not say stalk her, single guys, okay? Don't message her an obscure semi stalkers message saying, I like coffee and I know you like to drink coffee at 8 a.m. on Thursdays when I watch you with my binoculars and maybe we could have Starbucks sometime. Don't do that, single guy. Pursue her, in a righteous and godly way. Pursue her like a man of God. You walk to, up to her... If you really like her, you walk up to her, you look her right in the eye, and you say, excuse me, I just need you to know that you're the most beautiful woman that I've ever seen in my life, and I would consider it an honor to take you out to dinner, and if I can't do that, can I take you out to lunch, and if that doesn't work, can I get you like a bagel for breakfast, because girl, I would do tea and crumpets with you if it meant I could spend 15 minutes with you and just get to know you better, and if by the grace of God, she says yes, you better show up on time for that date, and don't make her come see you at your mom's basement. She is not a Domino's delivery. She is a daughter of the king of the universe. Single women, teenagers, young adults, I'll tell you what I tell my three daughters, set your standards high. Don't settle for crumbs. And young women, here's another way to tell if he's a man of God or if he's a crumb. If he's truly a man of God, he will strive to show respect and honor to your parents. He will try to get to know them. If he's a crumb, he will lead you to bad decision after bad decision and rebellion against them. Let's talk about dating. Men, whether you're married or whether you're single, when you're taking a woman on a date, and by the way, married men, you should be taking your wife on a date if you value your marriage on a regular intervals, okay? You should do that. When you go and take them on a date, when you first see them, you better compliment her. Do you know why? Because she's tried on at least seventeen outfits to get ready for that date, and you need to let her know that you appreciate that. And for the love of God, have the date planned. Single women, if a guy ever takes you on a first date, and you ask him what's the plan, and he says, "Uh, I don't know," what do you want to do? Say, obviously, nothing with you, Crum, because you couldn't even take the time to plan a date. Men, when you're on a date, here's another tip for you: married men, especially leave your stinking cell phone at home, okay? And do something where you actually sit face to face and you talk to her and get to know her and don't have an ulterior motive at the end of the date. Single guys at the end of the date, walk her to the door, be a gentleman, and then go back to your car and pray for her and beg God for the opportunity to take her out again. That's how you find a godly wife. Married men, you're called to pursue your wives, And I don't mean a card on Valentine's Day, her birthday, Mother's Day, and maybe your anniversary if you remember. And man, can we be real this morning? Most of us, we do a really crappy job with this. Notice I said us. If I brought Julie up here, she would probably say on a scale of one to ten, there are some days where I can be a negative two, okay? She's like, can you make a flipping bed in the morning? Can you remember to lift the toilet seat and close it in the middle of the night, Okay. So I'm in this boat with you guys because I get it. Sometimes we get home and we're tired and we go and we sit in a recliner and we turn on Sports Center or the news and after about an hour, our wife comes to speak to us and all we hear is Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 wah. But married men, we're called to pursue our wives. She wants to know that you are still willing to fight for her heart. Well, how do I pursue my wife? Here's a novel idea. Ask her. Ask her. As we said, all women are different. Ask her what's meaningful to you. What act of service touches your heart and makes you feel loved? And don't say, I don't have the time. You invest in things that are important to you, like that sports team or that golf game or that fishing trip. And don't get me wrong, have hobbies, enjoy your passions, but other than Jesus, married men, Your wife should be the greatest love and greatest passion in your entire life above your children because without her, you wouldn't have them. She needs to know that she matters to you, not just from your words, but from your actions. Now, women, let's focus back on you. Women, when you don't feel pursued and fought for, there are often two options that you can fall into, two traps. Number one is this, you can compromise compromise. Check out Genesis 3. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Which was a lie. God didn't say that. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Now hold on. Did Eve know God's word yeah, right? Like she had a relationship with it. Like he made her and they had a relationship together. She, she knew God's word. So it wasn't a knowledge issue for Eve. It was an identity issue. She starts to put the emotional over the spiritual truth and she compromises, which leads to destruction. Watch what happens. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you, you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. Translation, hey, Eve, you think God loves you, but God's holding out on you. You're not worth it to God to get this fruit. And don't miss this, church. Eve had everything. Perfect garden. Love and fellowship with God. Love and fellowship with her husband. Blessing upon blessing in her life. And she and Adam, both of them, turn their backs on God for what? A piece of fruit with snake drool on it. Crumbs. I don't care how you stack that up, that's a bad trade. Don't turn your back on what God has for you for a piece of fruit. And this is why I believe Christian relationships should be different, because instead of trying to find your identity in another person, a Christian marriage involves a couple finding their identity as an individual and also as a couple in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And when both partners can do that, that's a relationship that can last a lifetime. That's a relationship that can stand the course of time. Romantic feelings come and go. Feelings come and go. They ebb and flow. Ask any couple in here who's been married long enough. Marriage takes work. Marriage takes effort. And if God isn't the center of the relationship, there will come a day where you look at your spouse and you will think to yourself, I married a piece of fruit. I've traded the blessings of God for fruit. Women, you are worth the pursuit of someone who fully loves Jesus and will treat you like a daughter of the king, not an object to be conquered. Don't compromise. Here's the second trap that women can fall into. Option number two is control. Control. Have you ever met a controlling woman? Men, don't answer that. You get hurt this morning. Okay. Here's what Genesis 3, 6 says. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom... She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. What's that next phrase, church? Who was with her? Don't miss that, okay? Who was with her and he ate it. Okay? Notice again, where was Adam while all this stuff with the talking snake was going down? He was with her. Okay? He went along. Why didn't he do anything? Why didn't he pick up a stick and beat the snake, right? He was just as guilty as Eve. I I had a a single guy friend many years ago, and he couldn't wrap his mind around this. And he he asked me, he's like, why would Adam just go along with this plan? And I was like, let me unpack this for you, bro. You're with your wife in paradise. There's no clothes, and she's holding some fruit. There's not a man alive who would turn that down, okay? Married men, to this day... If your wife called you while you were at work and said, guess what, honey, I have a tray of fruit, nothing else, I'm thinking about you, what are you doing? You wouldn't even hang up the phone. You would run out of your office. You don't care if you got fired. You might not drive home. You might run home to get to her. Women, you hold incredible power over the man in your life. Eve had power over Adam too. But some women, they use their power to control men. Let me walk you through some hypothetical scenarios. I know none of these apply to the women here. I know none of you struggle with this, but we all know people who do. Constantly yelling at, screaming at, and demeaning your husband and children in an effort to control them. There are some kids and some families, maybe that was you as a kid, and their prayer is, dear God, get me out of this house. And one of these days, they're going to leave, and they may never come back. A parent's job, by the way, is to move from controlling kids when they're younger to starting to release and have influence in their lives as they get older. I mean, we talked about this in in my small group uh, this past week, this exact thing. Some parents can't navigate that well. And so they try to control and control and control and control, and they scream and they yell in a desperate attempt to maintain control. And I've heard some women say, well, I can't help it, I'm a woman, it's my emotions. And let me just tell you, that is such an insult to the countless women in this world who don't constantly scream and yell and demean their husband or children. Some women use tears as a manipulation tool. And again, it's okay to cry and have emotions, but there are some women who can turn it on like a faucet, and they use tears to get whatever they want. And the excuse is, well, I'm just emotional. No, that's actually manipulation, and that's not godly. There are some women who are passive aggressive. When they're upset, they just walk around with a scowl on their face, slamming doors, giving their spouse the silent treatment. He's like, is something wrong? She's like, nothing. Are you sure? Nothing's wrong. Well, you've just stabbed that loaf of bread like 16 times. I'm pretty sure it's dead. (laughs) Women, healthy communication is a key to a healthy marriage. It's what keeps it together. And the lack of it is what tears it apart. Men and women, we need honest, loving communication to have a healthy marriage. Now, this is a touchy one, especially for single women. But some women, when they don't feel pursued, they try to control the situation by their appearance and how they dress. And nothing is wrong with dressing pretty. As I said last week, when I look around, you know, this room and our, our church, I mean, all of you women, you are beautiful. You are absolutely Beautiful. But there are some women who seek inappropriate attention from men with how provocatively they dress. And single guys, here's a word of advice for you when it comes to dating. If a woman is dressing slowly to get you to solely to get you to focus on her body, it's probably because she doesn't want you to see her heart. So don't fall for that, bro. But Pastor, she's hot. So's hell. You don't want to go there either, okay? Let's end today with Genesis 3:13. So God knows what Adam and Eve have done. And he asks Adam, "What's going on?" And Adam's a little bit of a weak man, and he just throws his wife under the bus. He just puts all the blame onto Eve. But check out Eve's response in Genesis 3:13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, "What is this you have done?" The woman said, "The serpent deceived me and I ate." and I ate. She doesn't just blame the serpent. She also says, I ate. She admits what she did. She takes responsibility. That's confession and repentance. God, I was wrong. I admit what I did. And God responds to that. Here's the big truth today to combat the lie that I'm not worth the pursuit. The truth is this, that Jesus is proof that I am worth the pursuit that Jesus is proof that I'm worth the pursuit. The bloodstained cross and the empty tomb are proof that we are worth the pursuit because Adam and Eve, after they unleash sin into the world, God did not give up on them. And he did not give up on their descendants. Later in Genesis 3, God clothes Adam and Eve from, from garments of skin. And many biblical scholars believe that God used a lamb as a sacrifice, as a foreshadowing of what he would eventually do to save all of us from our sin, that he would send his one and only son, Jesus, the Lamb of God. God didn't give up on them. And and with all my heart, I believe that God is pursuing many of the women and men who are with us today. No matter what you've done, God loves you. For some of you, this truth is really hard to grasp and believe. Because maybe even in your church experiences growing up, you've only felt judgment or condemnation. And if that's the case, on behalf of the Church of God, I wanna apologize to you this morning for that experience. A few years ago, I attended a conference and I heard a pastor named Matt Chandler share a really powerful story related to this. He talked about how in college, he and a few of his friends started a small group Bible study together on their campus and they invited several unchurched friends to be a part one of the friends who joined them was a young woman in her 20s, and she was a single mom who they learned later had been in bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship. In fact, she had just come out of her latest bad relationship where she was involved with a married man. And they tried to love on her and to love on her four-year-old daughter. They would help with babysitting and things like that. And, and she eventually agreed one week to come to church with them on a Sunday and this was, a, again, a campus church. It was mostly college students and, and young adults. And after the worship team had played, the minister came up and he said to the nearly thousand young adults who were in attendance that morning, he said, today I want to talk with you about sex. And the friends who had invited the girl, they all thought, uh-oh, <laughs> like this could be a problem. And the minister, he pulls out this perfect red rose and he smelled it. And he says, look at this rose. It's so perfect. It's so beautiful. And then he threw it out into the crowd. And he said, go ahead, pass it around. Pass it around. Touch it. Feel the texture of the rose. Smell it. Pass it around the room while I share this message with you. And then he began to preach. He began to preach a fear-mongering message on the topic of the dangers of sex. And this group of friends sitting with this young woman in her first time in church were absolutely horrified. And then at the end of the service, he calls for the rose. He says, bring it back up, bring it back up. And a student comes, and they they bring the rose up to the stage. And by this time, it was completely jacked up. I mean, all the petals had fallen off of it. The stem was broken and bent. And he lifts this rose up in the air, and he says, now who in the world would want a piece of broken trash like this? And Pastor Matt said as he he looked at tears filling up in the young woman's eyes next to him that he was just filled with so much righteous anger. And he just wanted to scream out at the pastor, Jesus does. Jesus wants the rose. That's the point of the gospel. That Jesus wants the rose. That he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of god that while we were yet sinners christ died for us so let me just say this as we as we end this morning for for the woman here today and you just feel like your past is haunting you and you're not good enough and you're not worth the pursuit i have good news for you jesus wants you to him You are worth the pursuit and he is fighting for your heart today and in him you can be made whole and your scars can start to heal as you're made into a new creation in him. To Jesus you are worth the pursuit. Can we pray together this morning church? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, My prayer is that everyone listening today, whether here in attendance or watching online, but especially our women, that they would come to embrace this incredible truth that no matter what they've done, no matter their past, that you are the God who loves them, who's pursuing them, and who's fighting for their heart because you're a good God who wants good things for his children. God, I pray for the single guys here that they would work to become men of God, the men of God that you are calling them to be. I pray for the married men that we would pursue our wives and that we would love them like you, Jesus, love your church, purely, passionately, with an unconditional and sacrificial love that never gives up. God, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Please continue to move hearts. Please continue to make this a place where lives are changed forever through you, and we pray these things this morning in your son's name, in Jesus' name, Amen. Can we stand and continue to sing and celebrate what God is doing this morning?
1: Greed is the.
0: Father, I pray blessings upon your people this morning. Father, as always, we ask that you would give us wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today from this incredible creation story, Lord God. Father, and then give us the courage to take action, to do something about it, for us to to not fall into the lies of the enemy that tell us that we don't measure up, that we're not good enough, that we're not worth the pursuit. But God, we pray that we could just replace that negative, stinking thinking with the truth of your word, Lord, that we wouldn't fall into the trap of our our emotions and, and feelings and negative thoughts, but that we would realize that in Christ, we're priceless and that Jesus is the proof that we're worth the pursuit. God, thank you for loving us so much that you're ready to meet us right where we're at, that we don't have to be perfect and have a cleaned up life for you to meet us, and begin to change and transform us. That you're the God who loves us enough that you're ready to meet us right where we're at and that you willingly died for us to pay the price for our sins so that we could have a personal relationship with you. What an amazing, amazing God you are. God, we love you and we thank you today for being the God who chooses to love us even in our mess. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you guys. I hope you have an awesome week. And I hope to see you back next week in part three of Adam and Eve.
1: Great is thy faithfulness. Great.